89. Uh, we're getting up there in numbers. I um, I'm not realized but we were to that to that uh, a nice 90. We're only one episode away from 90. We're gonna be reviewing the season for each AFC South team. That is, of course, the Titans, the Colts, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So certainly not the, a little bit of a lackluster division because, um, you know, the Colts and the, and the Titans are certainly two teams that are good, but um, the, it, it bottoms out after that quite a lot. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a, a lame division a little bit, um, especially the ball. Yeah, like you said, the Jaguars are really lame this season. Texans are also really lame this season, but they're not. They don't look. They're not even promising for next season either. So I, it's a dumpster fire in Houston. But at least Jacksonville is on the rise. We'll see. We'll see. But it's been what? I don't know, like like four days since we recorded. Three, four days, like three days. So um, we we gotta start it off. How, how have you been? How's your weekend? Where you up to? My weekend was was okay. As I mentioned, like, just in the past couple episodes, I'm feeling a little sick, a little down. But uh, I got to rest up, drink lots of liquids and whatnot. I went for a little little bit of a run today. It did not, <laughs> it did not go too well. As, um, it's just been a long time, so I really don't do a whole lot. And I've just been, like, inside where, you know, the air's warm. And then I go outside. And it's not wasn't, like, particularly cold today. But there was a little bit of a breeze and whatnot. Made it a little bit harder to breathe. But, you know, I get used to that today. And then tomorrow when I have track practice, I can get back on that grind. Now that I feel a little bit better, you know, it's all good. It's all good. It was, it was, it was definitely an, uh, an above average weekend, I'd say. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, what was I up to this weekend? Um, so we had another girls basketball playoff game. I got the student section, the old guys basketball team trying to get there. Um, they did end up losing. It was a tough game. We should not, we shouldn't have lost. It was some, there was some BS, some bull crap by the refs at the end of the game. It was really bad, but you live and learn. Um, you live and learn. And I just went back to my buddy's house the rest of that day. Uh, spent the rest of the day with their family, sulking in the loss because um, his sister plays on the team. So hung out with them. <laughs> just, yeah, just, um, just chilled there for the rest of the day and just had a fun weekend. And that's mm-hmm. about all I did. So yeah, that's, that's a good that's a good time. It's always a nice weekend. You can chill out and whatnot. Um, I was going to say something, but now I forget what I was going to say. Uh, oh. Uh, oh wait, no! I know what I was gonna say because I took time out of my day to watch the NBA All Star Game, and that was the worst game of basketball I think I've ever seen. And all and, the All Star Games are lame because it's all like nobody plays defense in them. But these ones were the, this whole All Star Weekend was lame. The dunk contest stunk, skills challenge stunk. It was just bad all around. The skills challenge. I thought the skills challenge was pretty cool because. <laughs> uh, because Demontis Sabonis, my favorite NBA player, won it. Um, I am very disappointed because Cassius Stanley, the Pacers representative in the dunk contest, had a sick dunk, and they gave him like just like a crappy score for no reason. And it was a sick dunk. You know, did a little shot in between the leg action, slam it down, and uh, that's some bull crap right there. I think easy. Yeah. Hey, you you know you got to see it, got to see it once. That's his like signature signature dunk though. Like I was. I follow, well, I don't know why. I follow the, the Pacers G League affiliate team, the Mad Ants, which is honestly the most lame mm. name. But, and they always just like post random videos of him doing that same exact dunk over and over again. So it's kind of hoping to see some new stuff. Um, but that, I guess that's the only dunk he can do. <laughs> that's it. That's the only it's one. Cool 
I'll admit. It's good. He was my pick. Uh, Caster Stanley was my pick to win the death contest. He let me down. He let me down. I did not pick Sabonis to win the skills challenge, though. As much you, as I you picked uh, Julius Randle, right? I did. I did. I picked Julius Randle for the skills challenge. Uh, but he did not win. I picked Randall, I picked Steph, which was correct for the three-point contest, and I picked Cassius Stanley. And then for All-Star MVP, I picked Damian Lillard, who um, was close to winning it, but did not. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. So I guess, it was a letdown. Yeah, it was a sucky weekend. You know, I mean, uh, like, I'm happy my man Zach Levine made his first All-Star appearance, um, and he had a pretty solid game. So uh, that's, I mean, that's all I can ask for. But... You'll live and learn. We'll hopefully get a better All-Star weekend next year with less restrictions and be able to have the full thing again, which hopefully will be nice. I mean, Curry's uh, his um his three-point contest, that was pretty fun. It came down to the last shot where he won it. So I wasn't too let down by that. That was exciting. But, yeah, other than yeah. that, I was – I honestly, I, I knew it was good. I knew it wasn't gonna be like I was like I knew it was gonna be like the Pro Bowl where people really weren't trying that hard. But I was extremely disappointed by the amount of effort by some of those guys. Like they did not really try at all. Yeah, true. true. I, <laughs> I never watched uh, much of a an All Star game before, so I'll yeah. know next time not to be so so. Don't upset. get your hopes up. Don't <laughs> get your hopes up. <laughs> um, but I guess with that, uh, we can hop into the news here. Uh, we got some good news here. Uh, the stuff, the big, the big piece of news, which I'm sure you've heard by now, it came out just a couple hours ago as we're recording this. Um, Dak Prescott was resigned finally, finally. Um, the ongoing, the ongoing contract negotiation for like two years um, between the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott has finally come to an end. He has been extended, resigned on a four-year, 160 million dollar deal, making him the second highest-paid quarterback. This is the second highest paid quarterback contract of all time, only behind Patrick Mahomes. Um, he is making the second most in a season of all time, second most right now, obviously, behind Patrick Mahomes. Both of those um, crazy contracts. You say what you want. You know, he's a little bit overpaid in terms of the money market value, you could say. But really, every star quarterback that needs re signed, they like. You, you, it won't be anymore. Like at the time, everyone was setting the market. Like Goff set the market, and then Garoppolo set the market, and then just it just kept going. I think Stafford set the market, and it just kept going. But now, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes' this humongous contract, they'll but they'll continue to set the market for second place of all time. And that's what's going to happen. You know, as star quarterbacks need extended, they're just going to keep becoming the second highest paid quarterback of all time. Um, a couple years from now, uh, don't be surprised if Justin Herbert's the second highest paid quarterback of all time, or even Joe Burrow, whoever it may be. Um, it's just what what's happening nowadays. So, you know, Dak's a little bit overrated based on market value, but you can, I kind of expected it to happen. But in, in either regard, he's an extremely wildly productive quarterback with a winning record over his career and crazy stats. He was having a phenomenal season before this season before going down with a season-ending injury. Um but he's a great quarterback, um, and I'm really happy to see him to see him stay in Dallas. Just you know, I, I, I'm a fan of quarterbacks staying. Um, you know, say what you want, running back, wide receiver, any other position. Say what you want about flexibility. I like to see a, a quarterback stay where they are. In most cases, in most cases, I'd like to see Deshaun Watson out of Houston. But in most cases, I'm a fan. You know, because it, it sucks. It, you see, you're a fan of a team, and you finally get the right guy in the most important position, and then he just leaves. Like that would suck. That would suck, but in this scenario, I'm I'm, I'm happy the Dak stayed. Yeah, I can I concur. I yeah, I, a, I talked to you a little bit before. I thought he was a little bit overpaid, but you know, when you when you got a, a good player like that, 
you don't want to let them pass you by. Although, <laughs> they, uh, I did, you know, they did mess around for a little while. And, and, and then, you know, you, you hold out, and that's a, the businessman uh, aspect of Jerry Jones. But he, he got it done. He, he uh, attack got the bag. So he's paid a ton, it's a, like a ton of guaranteed money right off the bat, which is, of course, what he really wanted. There's mm-hmm. some complaints. I saw um, Dak Prescott has more guaranteed money in this contract than the entirety of all of Tony Romo's earnings during his 14-year career with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Sheesh. That's uh, a very interesting statistic. Although Tony Romo is making a ton of money off of commentating at the moment. As rightfully so, he's a great. I really like Tony Romo as a commentator. Might might be my favorite. I think Tony Romo's a a top tier. Yeah, he is. I think he's the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No that, that question was for me. We all knew it was going to happen. I feel like it was just the consensus was that he's going to stay in Dallas at this point. Um, so get it done early. Yeah. You know, everybody, that's nice to hear. Let's see what's the next quarterback. Do you think is going to be is going to be moved at some point? Moved. Ah, I mean Deshaun. I mean Deshaun's the easy candidate to be moved. Yeah, um, you mean like you know what I mean? What do you reckon? I mean, that by was, the, like leaving. That was a hot. That was a yeah, but I think um, Alex Smith could be signed pretty soon. Uh, uh, okay. I know there's like Chase Daniels rumors just randomly, but I'm not I sure. The next to be signed, I don't know. I feel like quarterbacks are one that you generally you generally like tend to wait a little bit longer in the off season for a lot of times if it's not you know like I don't know I don't know I I maybe Fitzpatrick maybe there were rumors that said he might be retiring but then uh, the reports came out again this week that said he's not retiring he, he's not retiring I I, I really don't think he's going to retire but we'll see I saw I didn't realize I saw like it makes sense but I'd never actually formally heard it that like. To be in order to be eligible for the Hall of Fame, you have to at least make one Pro Bowl or one All Pro. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has never made a Pro Bowl or an All Pro, so that's a big push no. to just get him to get Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, vote him to the Pro Bowl, just so that he can be eligible for the Hall of Fame. That would be that would be fun. That'd be that would be great. That'd be, I'll do my part. I'll vote I'll vote Fitzpatrick to the Pro Bowl. You best believe it. But uh, maybe just pop off this year and I'll get into the maybe maybe I mean there's there's some odd Pro Bowl selections. Let's be real, like there are every year there's a, like a Pro Bowl quarterback that doesn't deserve it. Like Mitch Trubisky's a Pro Bowler at some point in his career. As much as I love him, Teddy Bridgewater was once a Pro Bowler, um, and there there's just a lot of QBs that really don't deserve to be Pro Bowlers that just kind of end up there sometimes. Like even last, eh. I probably wouldn't have put Tannehill in the Pro Bowl last year. He's a good quarterback, but like, I just don't think he really belonged there. Um, but anyway, back on track. Yeah, yeah. Back on track. Um, same thing as last week. We've got a, a couple more releases that will kind of clump together. Only two this time. Um, and the first one, they're both. All these releases are for cap saving purposes. Um, it, it's really strange though. A little bit. Seattle is releasing uh, edge rusher Carlos Dunlap. Uh, that's going to save them $14 million. And that's a weird scenario because they just traded for him midseason last year because they had absolutely no pass rush. Traded for him from uh, the Cincinnati Bengals to get a pass rush. Their defense really like drastically improved once he got there for uh, a variety of reasons. Not just him, but they got a lot better, and now they're cutting him. They still don't have any edge rushing. They're, that's going to be something that you're going to have to address in either free agency or the draft or both. Um that's definitely an issue they need to look into. But they, they did say $14 million in cap, which is obviously good news. And then the Las Vegas Raiders 
are releasing uh, LaMarcus Joyner. That's going to save them $8.7 million there. But the thing is, he just signed like a four-year deal like last season, like a four-year, $40 million deal extension last year. So it's just so weird to see like a younger player like that, like sign a big extension, then immediately get cut the next season. Um, it's really strange. I want Carlos Dunlap to go to Cincinnati. I do. It's not going to happen, but I want him to, just because he was one sack away from the Cincinnati Bengals franchise record for sacks. One sack away. Just one. Oh, that, that makes me so mad that he was so, so, so close and didn't get it. Yeah. I don't even have any particular like affliction. Like I don't even really like Carlos Dunlap for any particular reason. It just like it pains me to see him come that close and come up short. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree. Um, I mean, realistically though, I'm not like I honestly don't know what team he'd go to at this point. Um, yeah, there's a lot of teams that just yeah, you just want a veteran guy like that. I'd say the Seahawks, but <laughs> forever, you know, almost anyone else. But obviously that that would be counterintuitive. Um, of course, the other name would be like. The Falcons are like the Titans, but too early. Yeah. True, true. Um, so now we have a couple more guys that um, over the past day have been franchise tagged. Uh, two guys here, Marcus May, out of safety, has been franchise tagged by the New York Jets. Um, this is a move that is interesting because if you don't know, franchise tag isn't that doesn't mean you're done. Like you can still negotiate a contract after you've been franchise tagged. And this one, basically, the reasoning looks to be they've got so much cap room this year. Um, it's going to be, they're going to see, they're going to throw, they're going to be throwing money around, um, make no mistake. And they're going to use that. They're going to throw money around. They're going to see what, if any big name free agents they can bring into the team. And then with that, they're probably going to try to restructure or get a deal done with Marcus May. Um, but after they get the big name free agents in and then see what they have. So like, I'm sure if they don't bring a lot of big name free agents in, then they'll just extend them for a pretty big deal. But it's like, what do you value more having Marcus May? It's like, because if you extend Marcus May right now, maybe you don't have enough money to bring in like a Chris Godwin, you know what I mean? But you could, but you could bring in Chris Godwin and then also maybe extend Marcus May with what's left over. You, you get what I mean? It's just kind of keeping their options open, keeping their, their cap flexibility for the season. And Brandon Sheriff was also franchise tied by the Washington football team. Um, a good move there. Just a savvy veteran offensive lineman, one of the better linemen in the league. Definitely going to need that because we don't even know what the uh, the QB situation is going to be looking like in Washington. Will it be Heineke? Will it be Cam Newton? You know, will it be Ryan Fitzpatrick? There's a lot of different guys that it Andy could Dalton. be theoretically. Andy Dalton, yeah, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of different guys. But other anyone, you're going to need a good left tackle, and that is what Brandon Sharp is going to bring you there. You can bring him in um, and just keep him there. See, you know, for one more year, see what you've got in him. Um, so yeah, Marcus May and Brandon Share franchise tagged. So yeah, Marcus May. I kind of was hoping they wouldn't do this to Marcus May because you're in a position where like he's a good Marcus May is a good safety, but he's no. I feel like he's no like superstar safety. You have the money to bring in like superstar safety. Maybe not this year, but you know, I, I, it makes sense. He was good, and you can bring keep that solid player. The same is kind of this. It's for uh, for Sheriff, although it's different with an offensive lineman because. Um, you know, it's it's always a great asset to have offensive linemen. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, so next is a piece of news we discussed briefly or mentioned before air. Mom, um, so we talked about Isaiah Wilson a couple weeks ago. How he said you know he's not going to be back with the Titans playing football. Um, the Titans have traded him to the Miami Dolphins um, in exchange for seventh round pick swaps. So really. 
they just gave him to the Dolphins. I mean, you know, their their seventh round picks are being exchanged, so it it means nothing. Um, you know, what I mean, like, you know, say what you want. Some great players can be taken in the seventh round, sure, but like, you're really giving your seventh round pick for my seventh round pick. Like, that's just lame. Um, yeah. But Isaiah Wilson, we we don't even know if he's gonna make the team. We don't know if he's ever gonna see the field again, just with all the off the field issues he's had. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's just Miami's taking a, a flyer on a guy like that. Does this mean anything for their pick? There's been a lot of speculation. Maybe you know they took they they trade for a first round offensive lineman a year ago. Maybe this means that they want to take Devontae Smith or uh, Jamar Chase with their number three pick instead of Panay Sewell. Um, the world may never know. <laughs> But we won't know till draft day. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting scenario to think about. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's not like that's a risk I would take in a heartbeat. If someone said, "Yeah, I'll give you my first round pick for free," sure, I'll take that. Ten times out of ten. No, no, yeah. Well, worst thing, worst case scenario, he doesn't make the team, and you don't have to ever think about it again. Oh no, we may be, we might be, we might have a slightly worse seventh round pick. Oh no. Like, oh yes, that's not a, not a big deal at all. <laughs> Not a big deal at all. Um, so, and the last the last piece of news we have here for the day, um, an interesting piece here, as there's a lot of speculation of what the Philadelphia Eagles may want to do with the number six pick. Do they want to go with uh, wide receiver? Do they want to maybe go with a quarterback? Um, is another big piece that they've been talking about. Um, reportedly, owner the Philadelphia Eagles owner Jeff Lurie uh, has instructed the Eagles to build around Jalen Hurts and to not have a QB competition this offseason. So they want at least one season around Jalen Hurts to be able to be there, um, see what see what they've got in the guy, see if you know he can be a, a productive quarterback. And I, I, I'd I say I like the move. I would say usually. Because, you know, you feel like Jalen Hurts is a pretty good quarterback overall. And you say that, you say, you know, don't want a QB competition, don't ruin his confidence, take – I think they're going to take Jamar Chase if I had to guess right now. But there's been a, a TikTok that I saw, Joe saw. We sent it to each other, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he sent it to me, and then I forgot that he sent it to me and sent it right back to him. Um, but it was just talking about how Jalen Hurts is actually not a very good quarterback. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't this past season. I'm not going to go as far as to say he can't be because he was a very productive player in college. But just talking about a lot of stuff about – how he was creating his own pressure. His throws weren't necessarily as accurate as we kind of thought they were. Um, he just wasn't seeing the field as well as maybe we thought. He was throwing picks at an alarming rate. And just a lot of different things that made me think of the season from Jalen Hurts in a different light than I did before. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I still like the move. You know, the Eagles are going to be a bad team this year. Make no mistake about it. And I mean, worst case scenario, like, you don't draft Justin Fields, and you can take one of the top QB prospects next year instead. So, yeah, I feel like well, for one, like pl- player progression is obviously a big thing. Like he's gonna improve over this offseason. Zach, you're seeing one. He was really thrown into that position, and you know, spot where they like although he did create a lot of yeah. pressure and he did throw inaccurate passes, he wasn't he wasn't surrounded with great offensive talent. Um, so you know, that's a, that's a big thing is just get some talent in there for him, and uh, yeah. Pretty much anything will be better than it was this year. Um, I wa- I watched this like like documentary style like YouTube video about the Eagles um, by Set the Edge on YouTube. He's a, he makes good videos. I de- it's definitely a suggested watch if you have a half an hour, or you can put it on in the background while you're like doing homework or whatever. That's what that's just what I did. Um, it was certainly <laughs> talked about the 
the coaches and everything. It was it was fun. But that's what I thought because he used to the Eagles coach. I'm not the Eagles coach. The Eagles owner used to be really hands off, and then he stopped being hands off. And since then, the Eagles have <laughs> Um But you know, I'm no expert on the situation. I won't I won't go in on it. But I think it's nice. I, yeah. oh, I feel like I agree with that. You're not going to get much better than Hurts. Um, so you might as well try and try and help him out and see what you got. You know, you obviously invested a second round pick, so it's not the end of the world, but it's not, you know, you still want to support him to some extent. Yeah, true, true. So um, now with that, we can get into our season analysis for the AFC South. So we can hop right into it with the AFC South winner, the Tennessee Titans here. Um, I guess I'll start it off here. With the Titans, who um, went eleven and five, made the playoffs as the four seed, um, and ended up losing in the wild card round to the was it the Ravens that they lost to? Yes, sir, it was the Ravens they lost to. Um, so to start off with, their their offensive stats are really another interesting case here. They were uh, the number three total offense in the league, um, which is obviously very good. Uh, they're twenty third passing offense and the second overall rushing offense. Um, so Derrick Henry did his thing. As we all know, Derrick Henry rushed for over 2,000 yards. Absolutely absurd season from him. Um, and really, another thing, as we all knew, he was the he was the, the 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 man in that offense. Everything runs through Derrick Henry. You know, even if the ball's not being run when they're passing, nine times out of ten, it's or not not quite that. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but 50 percent of the time, then when they're passing, it's play action. And teams are so scared of the threat of Derrick Henry running it down their throat. That's it helps Ryan Tannehill tremendously. Be able to get the ball to AJ Brown, be able to get the ball to Corey Davis, get the ball to John U. Smith, whatever it may be this past season. Um this entire offense runs through Derrick Henry, really. Um and this was, you know, the first season in NFL history that a player ran for two thousand yards without a single Pro Bowl or all pro offensive lineman. Um just just a, a stellar season. Uh, from Derrick Henry there. The defense, however, was really, really bad. Um, they were 28th in total, 29th versus the pass, and 19th versus the rush. Um, they were dead last in the league in sacks, um, creating absolutely zero pressure. Um, and they knew they knew creating pressure and getting sacks was going to be tough coming into the season, which is why they went out in free agency, and they brought in Vic Beasley, and they brought in Genevieve Clowney, uh, but as we know, Clowney's not a guy that gets that many sacks, and he came in and he didn't produce that well, and he got yes, injured, he and yeah, he had no sacks this year, and then he got injured, and then he was gone. Uh, Vic Beasley came in and just with some off the field issues, played a couple games. I mean, there were some issues, passing physicals and altercations, and then he got released, and there we are. Then their number one edge rushing presence is Jeffrey Simmons, who I believe had three sacks on the season. Um, yes, you were right. Became their leading, their leading sack artist, I believe, um, and just not much pressure at all being created to any extent. Um, they they're deeply missing Jarrell Casey. Um, <laughs> tell you that who's back on the market, so maybe Jarrell Casey heads uh, right back to to Tennessee. Who who knows? But um, a really interesting. It's just really interesting. There, good offense, really really bad defense. Um, so pro mm-hmm. they had two Pro Bowlers being Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. And they had one all-pro player being obviously Derrick Henry making the all-pro first team as the running back. No all-pro second teamers. And the MVP, the moment you've been waiting for, nobody I'm sure has any clue who the MVP is going to be. Derrick Henry uh, is my MVP uh, for obvious reasons. 
Led the league in attempts with 378. Led the league in yards, 2,027. Led the league in rushing touchdowns with 17. Uh, was sixth in the league in uh, yards per carry at 5.4. Like, that's just crazy to me that you you touched, you touched ran the ball 378 times and still averaged 5.4 yards per carry. That's just mind-boggling to me. He's, he's an amazing running back, as we all know. And it's just, how could I not give you the MVP when you lead the league in attempts, yards, and touchdowns? Like, that's a ridiculous season. The reason he won the NFL's Offensive Player of the Year award. He's an absolute beast. Um, it was leaked. I don't. We don't know if it's true yet, but it was leaked that he's probably going to be on the cover of Madden 22. Um, because GameStop has leaked the past like four covers, and there was a leaked GameStop cover of Derrick Henry being on Madden 22. So he's probably going to be the Madden 22 cover. Sorry for for spoilers of any people that didn't know already, but um. Yeah, my MVP goes to Derrick Henry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, <laughs> I love variety, and I knew I knew Derrick Henry was the front runner, and I took a little wow. bit of a different approach to this thought, and I gave it to quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Now, I I'm a, I'm pretty pretty wow. well documented Ryan Tannehill quote hater. Wow. I was looking in the stats. Man had a good year, and I know the the passing overall wasn't great, but he still he passed for almost four thousand yards. 36 touchdowns and seven interceptions, which is among the best in the league in touchdown and interception ratio. Um, he also he also the ball. He was the third team rusher on the team. Um, not exactly as efficient as Derrick Henry, but he was the third leading rusher on the team. Um, you know, the whole thing is I see this like it's the it's the the, the pendulum of the offense with them. The whole reason why Derrick Henry can rush the ball so well is because there's the passing threat of Tannehill. And the only reason why Tannehill can pass the ball so much is because there's the threat of Derrick Henry's rushing ability. Um, it's a it's a coin flip, and I gave it to the to the underdog of the award. But he didn't. Oh. This is the whole MVP versus the offensive player of the year argument that I always come through. Who had the bigger impact and who had the bigger better stat line? We all knew who had the better stat line. Um, and although Derrick Henry had a humongous impact, I just think the passing impact is something I see to, to also respect. So I gave it to Derek, to uh, Tannehill in surprising fashion. Um, uh, I can respect the pick. Do I agree with it? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't personally. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Tannehill is uh, an important piece of that offense. I would not say that Tannehill really provides much in the, for Derrick Henry. I feel like I feel like Derrick Henry is going to do his thing regardless. I, I feel you. I feel where you're coming from. Um, he's definitely, he's up there. He's up there. Offensive player of the year for me, um, an easy one, Derrick Henry. I don't, I don't have to explain it. I explained everything on my MVP. Derrick Henry wins it. Yeah, yeah. So this is the the whole stat line thing here. Derrick Henry, yeah, rushed for 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns. He was the offensive player of the whole darn league. That is, uh, it would be quite stupid to not give him offensive player of the year of his, of his very own team. Yeah, true, true. Um. Defensive player of the year is a, a little bit more interesting one. I, this is, I, I'm giving this to a player that had a really good season, and I actually I intended on giving it to a different player when I first thought of it. But looking through the stats, I mean, it's just kind of a bit of an underrated player here that I didn't. I had no clue was having such a great season this season. Uh, Malcolm Butler is going to win my defensive player of the year. I did not realize. I, I'm pretty sure I know who you have, and it's the same guy that I intended on having. Um, but looking into it, Malcolm Butler had a really good season um he had 100 tackles on the year for a corner which is very impressive um four interceptions and 14 passes defended 
some very good stats as he struggled last year, you know, his first year out of the new England system. Um, and coming in this year, he's just had a really good season as the number one corner there since Adore Jackson had been uh, injured for the, for the majority of the season. And Logan Ryan had obviously been lost to the New York giants in free agency, but just had a really, really productive season there in the, in the corner and sliding into that number one corner slot. As I mentioned, he just really held it down. Um, they, you know, obviously they weren't a great team from, the the passing defense standpoint, but obviously when you know you're losing a Dory Jackson and you don't have Logan Ryan and Kevin Byard's not having a great season and you know your number two corner is a rookie all of a sudden and you know it's just yeah you're in a bad spot from a defensive perspective but um Malcolm Butler definitely did uh, all he can do so he wins my defensive player of the year so so this is just something I heard recently did you know that um. Logan Ryan played 99% of snaps last year for the Tennessee Titans defense. I didn't, I, didn't, I mean, I knew he played a lot. I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, he played, like, almost every single um, which I think is very interesting. I <laughs> I was in the same boat as you. I thought we were going to have different players. We did not. I thought you'd have Kevin Byard. Um, I would not. I, didn't, I, didn't, I knew Kevin Byard was having a bad season. I personally, when I was just thinking about it before doing my research, I intended on having Jeffrey Simmons. Um, yeah, he was up there too because I knew he was like the pretty much the only person with any pass rush threat. And I think Je- Jeffrey Simmons is, is like a, I feel like he's pretty underrated. But um, yeah, he. <laughs> the thing is with with Byard, Kevin Byard led the team in tackles, but like he did not have any other stats than tackles. He I predicted him to lead the lead in interceptions. He didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, he. I don't Needless think he had small to. Uh, he had. I think he had one. He was not good in coverage, just to just to say that there. Um, him and Jamal Adams were in a similar boat. Um, yes. But, you know, I also yeah, gave, it, gave it to uh, Malcolm Butler. You know, it was on a lackluster defense. He led the team interceptions with four and second in tackles with, like, 100 on the dot. I think it was, like, 102 or 100. Um, so, a good year from the former Patriot there, and obviously he's famous for the one big play. But he still – he was balling out a lot more towards the beginning of the season, and his interception numbers cooled off, like – Almost completely yeah. by the end of the year. He was still solid. That's though. true. Yeah, true, true. And here comes an interesting one. We talked about, uh, all the, you know, for the past couple of weeks about how strange it was going to be to have to pick a rookie of the year for the Houston Texans. But honestly, this is weird, too, because the, you know, the number one overall pick for the Titans, Isaiah Wilson, is now not even a Titan and didn't play a single snap or, like, played, like, two snaps all year. Like, um, so this is another really interesting rookie of the year scenario because they didn't really have that many productive rookies. Um, uh, and like the rookie that I, I did some, I just Googled like team awards for the Titans to try to see some like Titans fans, what they were thinking. Um, and they gave it to a wide receiver that had three receptions for 33 yards on the season. Um, granted they did say he, he was good in special teams and you know, obviously that doesn't equate to, to the stat sheet, but, um, either way, I gave Rookie of the Year to the corner. Um, Christian Fulton, I gave Rookie of the Year to. Um, obviously, still not a very productive season. None of their rookies saw the field in excessive amount. Um, Fulton ended the season with 16 tackles, one sack, one interception, and one pass defended. Um, just, you know, you know I, I don't have much to say. They didn't have a, a good rookie class, really, whatsoever. None of them got nearly as much playing time as we may have expected from them. but. You live and learn. Um, hopefully, the, the rookie class will look to be a little bit better next year. But this was a really rough one. It's not as rough as the Texans, but it's still pretty rough. And, uh, yeah, Christian yeah. Fulton for, for rookie of the year for me. I also had cornerback Christian Fulton. Yeah, he was really the only rookie that 
even got to see the field much at all. So, um, yeah. an extremely weak rookie class. But yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. You do, you do. Um, so now we we do a grade for the Titans. Season grade for me, for me, my season grade for Tennessee is a B. Um, that's where I gave them. I think eleven and five was good for considering my expectations for them were maybe a little bit lower. Uh, Derrick Henry balled out and performed way better than I ever could have expected. Um, crazy, crazy season from him. AJ Brown progressed extremely well. I predicted AJ Brown to be a very good receiver. Uh, he turned out to be a very good receiver. I was I was proud of that one. Um, and they had a really good season, but I gave him a B just because you know obviously um, they didn't. They didn't win any playoff games. You know what I mean, like they, they once they got to the playoffs, they were able, like they could have won a game, right? And it's like they, they outperformed my expectations a little bit, but like, uh, they, they just, and they never seemed like a real like contender. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's hard to explain. Like they made like they outperformed my expectations. They made the playoffs, but like they never at any point did I look at the Titans and I'm like, yeah, this team is a contender. Like this team can make a run at yeah. it. I never really looked at them like that, um, but they they did have a good season. They were a very one dimensional team, um, which is a little bit of a reason why their grade is also maybe a little bit lower than um, I would like it to be. But I I mean it was still a good season. You're you're a divisional winner, top four seed in the AFC. Um, you know, got gave gave the Baltimore Ravens a, a steady run for their money in the playoffs, and didn't didn't come away with the victorious as they did last season, but um. A B, a B for the for the Titans. Yeah, um, I gave him a B plus just because I thought they were gonna bomb a lot more than you did. I was pretty um, vocal about my dislike of the the Ryan Tannehill contracts and whatnot, um, and all that. I didn't think I thought they were gonna stack the box a whole lot, and Derrick Henry was gonna get shut down. The defense was gonna the defense was pretty bad. I I'm, I was really touching on what you said about um, them not really being much of a contender. I I just feel like a team that doesn't just like has like zero pass rush whatsoever. If you don't have any pass rush, you're really not. I feel like you're never going to be much of a contender. You you just need that like that pressure. If you're just going to let quarterbacks sit back, eventually when you play the better teams like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, I mean even Lamar Jackson to an extent, um, mm-hmm. they're just going to they're going to find open guys when they have that much time. You could you know yeah. it's just how it. Is. I feel like you're at a very disadvantage whenever you don't have much of a pass rush like that. But. Yeah. Uh, I agree. For, for the most part, I do agree with that. Um, there are some, a little like the Bills this season didn't have much of a pass rush. And yeah. while I do believe the Bills were a contender, um, you are correct in saying they got to having to face Patrick Mahomes, and all of a sudden, things got a lot more complicated. Um, it's, it's when all of a sudden... It, yeah, like you're not, sorry. Yeah. No you're, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, it's different for the Bills. Is they have such an explosive passing attack, they can score like a lot quicker than. I mean, Derrick Henry can certainly like score quick, but it's just it's just you can more readily score when you have a passing attack like the Bills do. Um, and, you know, and you can win shootouts better whenever you you have that an offense built like that compared to an offense built around a extremely dominant running back. But yeah, true, true. It's more of a grinded out style of play. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, no pass rush with a grinded out style of play um, does not match up well. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty similar there in all the all of our Titan stuff. Um, we go on to the second team, the team that personally I believe was the best team in the division, though they technically didn't win the division. Um, I still believe they were the best team in the division. They did make the playoffs as the uh, seventh seed, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, they went eleven and five. They were 
And they had a lot more balanced of a team, as you can see here. They were 10th in total offense and 8th in total defense. Um, so a really, a really balanced team there. They're 10th in total offense, like I said, 11th versus the 11th and 11th in the pass and rushing games. Um, and then defensively, they were 8th totally in yards allowed, uh, 20th versus the pass. So not necessarily the best, but that's kind of what I expected after the season-ending injury to uh, starting safety Malik Hooker. Um, and, but they were the number two defense in the league versus the rush um obviously spearheaded by the the man in the middle of the linebacker darius leonard as well as defensive tackle deforest buckner um they had three pro bowlers in quentin nelson ryan kelly and darius leonard they had one two three four all pro first teamers quentin nelson deforest buckner darius leonard and george odom the special teamer and they had two all pro second teamers ryan kelly and luke rhodes the long snapper um and overall, this was just as I what like what I said with the Titans. I never looked at them and saw like a team that could go far. I I did look at the Colts and say this is a team that could that I think could make a run. Like they're as I say, I've said it more. I've said this more on the show than like anything else. It's an overuse at this point, but they're built for success. They were last season, you know what I mean? And it yeah. was in the hands of Philip Rivers. Um, great O line, uh, some some solid weapons, a good running game, an amazing defense. You know, some underrated wide receivers. They they were really just built for success. Uh, three three good tight ends on the roster in Mo Ali Cox, Trey Burton, and Jack Doyle. Um, they were built for success. And for you know, for eleven games of the season, they they performed. They lost to Buffalo in the wild card round, which is a, a bit tough. But you know, hopefully with with Carson Wentz behind the behind the uh, the helm there, um, I think they could really really make a noise in the AFC. Um, DeForest Buckner is really underrated. For me, they had one of the best defenses in the league, and he was the main reason why. Um, he had a you know a beastly season. He didn't make the Pro Bowl, but he was an All Pro first teamer. Just another reason that the the, the, the system was flawed. But DeForest Buckner uh, actually is going to win my MVP award here. It was really close, but for me, between DeForest Buckner and Jonathan Taylor, um, I decided to give it to DeForest Buckner. Um, he went 58 tackles, 9.5 sacks on the season for an interior defensive lineman, which is very good, and uh, two forced fumbles. And he was just clogging things up in the middle in the run and the pass rushing game, just getting things done on both phases of the defensive side of the ball, just bang and had, had an absolutely stellar underrated season from any defender in the league um, and won my, my MVP. So I thought I was also like putting DeForest Buckner as my defensive, as my uh, MVP. Little did I know you were a step ahead. Um, yeah. And then a half sacks. The tackles, a force all around the field, um, not all around the field, all around the the front of the field. <laughs> um, but the whole thing is, yeah, this is a phrase I know. Um, we missed just say this phrase a lot about the Colts and repeat the same phrases. Um, the force Buckner, when like the defense, the Colts defense with him without the force Buckner are like two completely different defenses. And I said it like over and yes. over again where he was like missing those weeks. The defense was significantly worse, and they like. It's just that pass rush was, was very important for them. I think DeForest Buckner is a, a guy who I never really wasn't too big of a fan of, but in recent, like, well, mostly this year, uh, I've grown to, to be a big fan of DeForest Buckner. And I'm going to – it's going to be a lot different watching the Colts without – like, I was really getting used to seeing Philip Rivers on the Colts. It's going to be weird to see uh, a quick person with the Colts, but I'm sure I will get used to it. Yeah, I, I honestly did think Philip Rivers was going to stay. I really did think he was not going to retire, um, but obviously he did. And I still believe Carson Wentz is a good quarterback, and I believe 
Carson Wentz will win the Indianapolis Colts a lot of games. Um, but there's a lot of questions, definitely. Um, I like what you said about DeForest Buckner uh, when he was in San Francisco. Um, obviously, he was a first-round pick and just so a good player, but the stats weren't necessarily there when surrounded by Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Fred Warner and all these guys left and right. Um, the stats don't necessarily get there. And then he comes to Indianapolis and is able to be his own man. They trade a first-round pick for him, and all of a sudden, you know, he's one of the best in the league and all-pro first-team guy. Um, a crazy season, an absolutely crazy season for him. Um, Offensive player of the year is where I gave it to Jonathan Taylor, the guy that I said um, I was wanted to give MVP to uh, potentially. Um, as a rookie came in, um, first couple weeks, or at least the first week, Marlon Mack was the starter before uh, going down with an ACL tear, I believe it was. Um, but Jonathan Taylor on the season, 232 attempts for 1,169 yards, good for third in the league in rushing yards, um, 11 touchdowns on the season, which is seventh. And 5.0 yards per carry, which is 10th in the league. Um, as a rookie, coming in, putting up these, you know, absolutely crazy stats there. Um, behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. Jonathan Taylor just I, I had a really, really good season. Um, uh, a lot of people had their doubts about him coming in. Obviously, the big three running backs coming into the season were Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins. And that was kind of the consensus. Uh, three that were kind of very similar players. And it was kind of pick your poison. Who do you? Who do you prefer? Um, and it seems like Jonathan Taylor, at least this season, kind of solidified himself as the best of the bunch there. Um, had a very good season. Uh, props to him as a rookie coming in and just having so much of an impact on that offense and on that team in general. Um, he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year for me. So, Yes, he is going to win Offensive Player of the Year for me. Um, yeah, 1,000 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns. Definitely. Uh, I, I, was he in uh, – no, I, he probably wasn't. I thought he might have been um, in competition for offensive rookie of the year. He might have been like in third place. But honestly, I'm not I sure. I don't know. I know Herbert just... and Jefferson were like the main two. Yeah. Um, I don't actually good. know. It could have been him. It could have been uh, like maybe James Robinson. You're right. Or like, or, uh, I don't even know, like one of the wide. There are a lot of wide receivers you could have threw in there, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's pretty straightforward there. I was I was kind of hoping you have someone else, and I kind of like kind of flame you a little bit because that's that that one. Um, once again, I never uh, never think we'll be on the same page as much as we are, but that's that's yeah, that's when we have the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, defensive player of the year for me as well goes to DeForest Buckner. Um, I'm a guy. I'm fine with giving multiple people the same awards. Um, so it's a little bit more hesitant at times. Um, I, I give it to DeForest Buckner. Like I said, Darius Leonard had a stellar season as well, but you know he missed some games and. I just feel like the impact of Forrest Buckner brought this season to that defense is just tremendous. Um, and yeah, he's going to win defensive player of the year for me, you know, to not, to not be as, you know, redundant and say the things I already said when, for his MVP campaign, uh, he's the defensive player of the year as well. So, yeah, he's my defensive player of the year too. I kind of want to give this to uh, Darius Leonard, but couldn't do it. Stats are just too nice for, uh, for Buckner there. So yeah. That's a, that's a situation where he had the best, biggest impact on the team, in my opinion, and he also had the best stat line on defense. So, uh, yeah, I don't have to worry about worry about giving uh, the award to the same guy there. So, convenient. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and then I have the same scenario for rookie of the year as I gave it to Jonathan Taylor, who I already gave offensive player of the year to. Um, I don't really know who else I would give it to. Um, to be honest, um, he he had a crazy rookie season, like I said. Same stuff as I said for offensive play of the year. Go back and listen to that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, great year for him, and uh, he's my rookie of the year. 
Yeah, he's my rookie of the year too. Um, no, oh wait, no, I'm gonna give it to Michael Pittman or um, uh, how am I doing? How how have I forgotten the name of the kicker? The, the goat Rodrigo kicker. Blankenship. I'm gonna give it to Rodrigo Blankenship. No, obviously, you gotta give it to the one thousand yard rush Russian rookie year. He wasn't even like the main running back for a lot of the year. He heated up to a uh, crazy extents in the last last of the year. So he did. He, he had a he had a, a two hundred yard rushing game in there somewhere. Um. Crazy, crazy season for him. Um, and now we do our our little grade for them. And for me, this is where it was, it was kind of tough for me to differentiate the Colts and the Titans because the Titans technically still won the division. So theoretically, you should think that they were higher. But I gave the Colts an A minus. Um, a minus. You know, they they exceeded. They were. I think they. Yeah, I think they hit my expectations as I expected them to go eleven and five. But they were just a better. I think I predicted them to go 11 and five, but they were a better team than I predicted just from the eye test and just how good they're actually playing. Um, they were, they just came out. Their defense was significantly better than I had ever expected it to be. Um, and I feel like now it, it just came down to Phillip rivers. You know what I mean? And a quarterback at that age with, you know, the, the set of wheels, the set of miles he had on him, you can't really expect him to be, you know, on his game on the money completely week in and week out. Um, so I gave him an A minus. Um, obviously, it's not like I I thought they had much of a chance to beat Buffalo in the wild card round. They put up a really good fight versus Buffalo, to be honest. However, um, but overall, yeah, they just had a really good season. Um, I, you know, exped- exceeded my expectations in a lot of different ways, and I'm giving him an A minus. I'm gonna give him the same exact grade as I gave the Titans a B plus. Um, the thing is, as the se- like as the season went along, I became more and more impressed with the team and had higher and higher ex- expectations for them. At the beginning of the season, um, I think I had my expectations were a little bit lower than yours for the Colts. But as the season went along, I really was. I thought they would, uh, you know, have a little bit deeper playoff run. They got unlucky with facing the Bills in the first round, and um, as you mentioned, they did, they did put up a hard fight. That's always going to be like that's always something I'm going to remember that they had a real shot to win that game. And then Philip Rivers just like threw the ball away like three times in a row. And yeah. Did not get a completion, get closer. Uh, but it, it happens. And um, interesting. Lots of. Uh, I have to put a lot more thought. I don't know what I'm. I don't know how they're like, how good they're going to be with the Carson Wentz next year. Um, it, you know, he has got a lot. He's got a lot of stuff to fix. His play was, was bottom tier this year. But obviously, when you're, when you're as good as he has been in the past. No, nothing can be counted out. Yeah, you, you guys know our feelings. We're, we're, we're Carson Wentz believers on this show. At least I am. Um, I think I, I'm sure. I think we both expressed that I to am. a decent extent. Yeah, I am not as much as you, but I, I do like Carson Wentz. I'm a true Carson. I'm, a, I'm a big Carson Wentz believer. I think he can still be a star one day. Um, but now we get to the third team in the division um, in the standings this past season, the Houston Texans, who we went five and eleven and missed the playoffs. Offensively, they were 13th in total offense, um, fourth in passing yards, 31st in rushing yards, so almost dead last behind David Johnson and Duke Johnson. Uh, Duke Johnson, who was cut, David Johnson, who was re-signed. Um, and then defensively, they were absolutely awful, um, 30th in total defense, 24th versus the pass, and, and dead last in the league versus the rush. Um, they were just an absolutely awful team in general but defense especially because obviously all they were doing you know jj watt was the only edge rusher and you know as much as we love jj watt um he's not necessarily a number one edge rusher at this point in his career um 
Zach Cunningham led the league in tackles, and he had a lot of, you know, he had some, like, a, a really good season, but you can't expect him to do that much, you know what I mean? The, the secondary was looking really rough. They didn't bring in a single real impactful rookie this season. Um, and it was just a really, really bad year defensively. Offensively, they didn't look that bad, especially through the air. Um, Will Fuller went healthy, showed flashes of being you know, a really, really productive receiver. Brandon Cooks had another crazy season. He's one of the most underrated players in the NFL, in my opinion. He's, you know, putting up 1,000-yard seasons or real close to it year in and year out with every different QB and every different system. Brandon Cooks has been a beast. Um, and, yeah, um, they had two pro bowlers, Deshaun Watson in the offensive tackle, Laramie Tunsil. No all-pros, uh, first or second teamers. And the MVP for me, um, you saw y'all knew it was coming. Deshaun Watson probably won't be a Texan come next season, or at least he shouldn't be a Texan come next season. But um, he led the league in passing yards with 4,823. He also threw for 33 touchdowns, which was good for seventh in the league with seven interceptions and uh, just was absolutely crazy. You know what I mean? Their offensive line was overall kind of rough. Larry Tunsil had a good season, but overall they weren't that good. They had Deshaun Watson scrambling for his life a little bit at, at different times of the season. And uh, he was just performing extremely, extremely well. Uh, he just had a, an absolutely great year as he always does. I believe he's one of the top, you know, four or five QB in the league and he's my MVP. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I gave to Zen. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I gave to Sean Watson as well. Led the league in passing yards with 4,800 yards there, um, as well as a 33 touchdown to seven interception ratio and a 70% completion percentage. Great year yeah. from him. And it's just like you did that all with, with really minimal help around you. Um, it's, it was always sad. You'd always see him. He fought so hard during the games. And then afterwards, he'd be sitting on the bench all sad. It was, it was, it was tough to see that. Um, he kept the Texans in games uh that they really should not have been in and that was something you always say when we were predicting the games it's something i said a lot if they if you have deshaun watson the way he's playing right now he will keep you in in almost any game yeah he really especially towards the end of the season he was in some really close games with against some really good teams um he just couldn't finish because the defense the defense was so bad and they really didn't have any running game and they really didn't after will fuller went down or went quote went down um was like suspended uh, he really didn't have much offensive help there, and uh, he he fought. That's he did. He did fight on a good team. That's that's the big thing. If he goes like the Jets or whatever, I'm like it's so. It's just like it's the tale of two cities. It's almost the same. Like it's almost the same situation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't want to. I I would definitely love for him to go to a winning organization and a winning culture. Um, but. Offensive play of the year is Deshaun Watson for me as well. Um, you know, not much to say. Stellar, phenomenal season from him, getting things done from the passing and the rushing side of things. Um, doing a lot with a little, kind of the king of doing a lot with a little over the past couple of seasons. Um, and yeah, good, great season from Deshaun. Uh, he's my offensive player of the year as well as MVP. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my offensive player of the year was obviously Deshaun Watson as well. <laughs> no one really even came close to that offensive production um especially i mean on the Texans. (laughs) yeah yeah um defensive player of the year as much as i would really wanted to give it to jj watt um zach cunningham wins it for me led the league in tackles with 164 total tackles um he also had three sacks and a forced fumble um just really had a i had a really good season stuff in the run they were dead last in the league and run stuffing but you know he got a lot of tackles and that's really 
all I have to say about about him. Um, he, he looked pretty good in coverage overall, but one of the lead tackles is going to win my defensive player of the year. So yeah, I was, that Cunningham was also my defensive player of the year. I was like centimeters away from giving it to JJ Watt, but at the last minute I did change it over to to Zach Cunningham. He was just a more of a threat all over the field. Um, less just a lot of tackles, few interceptions, few sacks, few tackles for loss. Um, you know, he was all over the field. Matt's and, and uh, defense is so bad. Like I feel like you got to. I give the guy a little bit more of a holistic um, help, a more holistic impact, I guess, compared to to just the sacks there. He, you know, I think JJ Watt had five. Um, the tackle numbers were not high. He might have been. had a pick six, if I'm correctly. Yeah, six. he did. He did. Um, but you know, I give to you yeah. know, like, that's the copy and paste, control C, control B. Your reasoning right in there. <laughs> facts, facts. Um, and now we get to the weird one, rookie of the year. Nobody really knew what we were going to say. The only rookie I even knew of as of last week was uh, Ross Blacklock. I did not pick him, actually. Um, my rookie of the year is another defensive player, Jonathan Greenard. Um, 19 tackles in one sack on the year. No Texans rookies really provided much of any impact whatsoever. Um, but... Jonathan Greenard had a better season than the other ones. Him and Ross Blacklock had very similar seasons, um, but Greenard's was just you know a, a slight, slight bit better, not by much. Just a couple more tackles. Um, he had one sack. Blacklock had zero. Uh, just a terrible season for for Texans rookies, but I, I, I give it to Jonathan Greenard. So yeah, so did I. Um, yeah, it just came down to to who who was higher in the stat sheet and uh, yeah. Grade was so true, true. Pretty easy. Um, and then, I had to look up who they selected because I, yeah, I looked up like Texans rookie of the year and like nothing came up. Mm-hmm. So I had to, to look in this a bit deeper. Same, same. No, and the grade for the Texans, I'm giving them a D minus, not quite an F just because of Deshaun Watson's play this year, but they're just a dumpster fire, organizational issues left and right, whatever it may be. Just things weren't going well, they're not. They are refusing to trade Deshaun Watson. The organization will stop going down. Um, Will Fuller's probably going to walk. J.J. Watt already walked. Um, So much different stuff just coming from all angles at the the Texans. And they had a rough season from a win standpoint with everything just seeming to be falling apart right now with, you know, the the owners of the house. Or I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but... um, you, you get it's an analogy. You get what I mean. Um, yeah. Well, with everything falling apart in Houston, um, a, a really rough season, a few bright spots. So D minus. Um, just the one, just a few bright spots. Bring it up from an F, which it really could have been. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I gave them a D, um, which is just a little bit higher than you. <laughs> they had a really bad year, but they did keep it close in a couple games. And Deshaun Watson's play was amazing this year. And that, that gave him a few points and just up a little bit. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and the last team in the AFC South, we haven't gone over yet, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Duval boys down there in Florida. Well, they went 1-15, and winning their first game versus the playoff team, the Indianapolis Colts, interdivisional rival, and then lost the last 15. Obviously, they did not make the playoffs. Um, offensively, they were 28th in total offense, 21st passing and 28th rushing and then they were 31st in defensive yards allowed 27th versus the pass and 30th versus the rush no pro bowlers no all pro first teamers no all pro second teamers really 
you know, weird season for them. There was some, you know, QB stuff. Garner Minshew got injured. And then was he really still injured or were they just holding him out? Was it Jake Luton? Was it Mike Lennon? Um, James Robinson came in and had a good season. There's a wide receiver carousel injuries and COVIDs and whatever. Tight end looked bad or line looked bad. Defense as a whole looked pretty bad, but we kind of expected that. Um, just a, you know, a bad season for the Jaguars. But they did successfully uh, tank for Trevor. They will walk away from the draft with Trevor Lawrence um, if all goes according to plan, which is um, kind of the the ultimate goal of every team this season. You know what I mean? Like every team had it in the back of their mind that you know Trevor Lawrence is on the board, right? And for, and for the Jaguars to be the team that's going to be able to go out and do it, good good stuff there. They fired Doug Marone. Good riddance. He was not that good of a coach. Um, hired former Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer, who's going to come in here and hopefully kind of try to change the culture in Jacksonville and fit it, tailor it a little bit more towards the style of, of Trevor Lawrence's play. So, And so my MVP I hear is James Robinson, the, the rookie running back. He was undrafted, um, set the record for most uh, scrimmage yards by an undrafted player in NFL history um, in their first season, that is. Um, he had 240 attempts, which was good for sixth in the league, 1,070 yards, which was good for fifth in the league, seven touchdowns, and a 4.5 yards per carry average for the undrafted rookie running back. Really great season. Um, really just encompassed the entire Jacksonville offense in <laughs> in there. Um, that's really what it consists of, is James Robinson's show. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully with Trevor Lawrence, things will be able to change a little bit, take some pressure off of him, and... Uh, Great season from James Robinson, and he was my MVP. Yeah, he won my MVP too. Yeah, thousand seventy yards, seven touchdowns, um, and I, he was he was helpful in the running game as well. He he definitely had an impact there. I also I'm just gonna get out of the way right now. I also have him as my offensive player of the year and rookie of the year. Same, same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I assumed so. Um, yeah, we had the same reasoning. You know, it's a good year, and I had an absolute brutal year. He was a bright spot. And, like, the passing game, they have a good receiving core, but it's just, like, it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> with yeah, Mike but you Lennon. also need a QB. <laughs> yeah, Mike Lennon and the gang uh, wasn't wasn't dealing this year. So often, although, I think I think this team does have a bright future. Like, as far as, like, obviously, you get Trevor Lawrence. They already have a pretty solid offensive line. A good running back there with James Robinson. And some really good young running um, wide receivers that I've settled. I'm very high on, and I've mentioned a lot in the past, with Eddie Westbrook and Chark and Chenault, and, and uh, I think Croft might be leaving, but Croft is a pretty solid team. Um, so it, it could be worse. The defense definitely needs a lot of work, but um, the offense is – it's not – it couldn't get much um, – I mean, it could get a lot better, but, uh, you know, it couldn't get it, – it could be a lot worse for, for Lawrence. It could. It could. Um, so defensive player of the year for me, the one award we haven't gone over yet is Miles Jack. Um, the linebacker who is, you know, a very underrated linebacker still, in my opinion, on this. One of the bright spots of this really rough Jaguars team. Um, 118 tackles on the year, one sack, one forced fumble, and one interception. Um, an all-around type of player there. Just one of the better uh, linebackers in all of football. The, the young gun there in Miles Jack. But obviously, when you're on such a bad team and such a bad defense, tends to get overshadowed to an extent a little bit. So, Miles Jack is my defensive player of the year. I actually gave it to Jeff Schobert. Um, okay. it, it wasn't that, like, they weren't, I feel like, it wasn't that much farther. Jeff Schobert had more sacks. I mean, more sacks, more tackles. Um, he had, like, three sacks. 
and like two interceptions or whatever. I didn't write down. I only wrote down the tackle. Um, yeah. So I mean, it was it was pretty close, but yeah, it, was, it really was like entirely. So yeah. I can respect. I, yeah. I respect it. And um, the grade I gave them a- better than the Texans because felt like they were doing this purposely. Like they had a bad record, but it didn't feel like we didn't we didn't expect them to have any better of a record. It kind of felt like they kind of wanted to do this tank for Trevor a little bit. Texans had no motivation to tank for Trevor because until the end of the season, Deshaun Watson was their guy. Um, and obviously they were they were gone for it. And injuries to, to Will Fuller and the red David Johnson a little bit got caught up and bad management and bad coaching and this, that, whatever else, just lack of talent, defense, all caught up to them. You know, five eleven. So they they were a little lower. I'm giving the Jaguars a D. They're showing a lot more promise for the future. And yeah, D, D for the Jags. I give the Jaguars an F. Um, although I'm pretty, they were like right on my expectations, or they might have had. I forget. I was. Yeah, forget. I think you might have actually predicted one of fifteen on the money. I it was I. I feel like it was Washington, though, that I predicted as 1-15. I think not... I, I predicted. I'm pretty sure I predicted Washington as 1-15. You might have as well. I like. I'm pro- yeah, I, I think I like. I know I predicted them as that. I give. I give the Jags F because if you're gonna give a team an F grade, it's a team that was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst team. So uh, there might be a team. I just thinking about it. I'm not sure what team we're, what uh, division we're gonna do next. Just, obviously, probably AFC. NFC East. Probably Does that work. Yeah, sure. Sounds sounds good. Um, I'm not gonna. I was thinking about it for for a moment. I wanted to give Carolina an F because I had very high expectations, and they let me. I didn't have that. High. As much as I love Carolina, um, coming into it, and I love Teddy B, I didn't have that high of expectations. To be honest, I didn't. No, I neither. I had them at like eight and eight or something. Uh, like yeah, I think I had them. At, I think. I mean, they still underperformed. I think they went what five and eleven. In yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I predicted them to be like seven and eight or something like that, but. I mean, it's still underperformed, but like not by too much. So. Yeah, yeah, that's. But it's the it's the joke. I always, you know, we always say I would I would let if we <laughs> I started that Excel file and I have not worked on it in a really long time. It's a humongous Excel Excel file for the people that are listening. Um, a humongous Excel file of like what happened in real life and then all of our predictions for each and every team. So it's like. 64 deep and it's just like a lot of work what i'm and what i would be interested like in a couple days i worked on it a lot and then it's been like a month that i haven't even talked. at some point if i ever figure out how to like get good with like microsoft excel or anything like that what i would really like to what would be interesting to me just like for like statistical purposes it would be interesting for me to go through and look at like who we picked in each game and like that compared to who was favored to win each game like who like versus the spread you know what i mean so, and like look at it and be like so we could see from that like who did we believe in like well like what really were because we always say like i was like a, a foul i was a fan of falcons and the vikings and you you were like a panthers and uh, what was your other team i don't even Mine. remember lions you you like the lions and we always say that because that's just what we thought of like that's what we re- recall but i'm sure there were at least a couple of other teams that we believed in maybe even more so than some of the teams that we frequently joke about you know what i mean that would just be interesting mm-hmm. for me because maybe i look at it and i'm like well compared to like how what was expected from this game like well maybe one of us liked like the Broncos a little bit more, like more than that or something. Like, you know, then that's just something. If I was good at Microsoft Excel and stuff, you know, things like that, maybe I would do that. But I have no clue what I'm doing. And I probably I never think- will. It's just a random short little <laughs> idea. I mean, like, I definitely, if I, uh, when I get finished, maybe I'll, I'll work on that too, just for fun. Since I, 
Like, I do think that would be cool. But that would take, like... Yeah, like that would take forever. That would take so much time um, to go through and, and find, like, the the Vegas uh, predicted score or whatever, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, maybe Gosh. someday. Maybe someday. What I was really hoping to do find a, like, a Microsoft Excel file that I could just, like, download and use that already had all the real-life things on, but I couldn't find one. Um, so I have to go through and do that all manually, and that's what's taking so long because I could just go through the Instagram post, and that would be like relatively easy. Um, except for the first episode, I have to go. I haven't still have went back and listened to it and written down our answers, but I still have like half of the re- like real life answers to put in. So yeah, it's I, I'm I might do that like this weekend if I have it, just because I think I'm really interested to see, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, well, if there's any teams that we actually did predict, I know we like, I'm pretty sure. We predicted the Chiefs to go sixteen and zero. I don't think I ever predicted the Chiefs to lose. I, I did once. I don't think it was week sixteen. Like yeah, you lose. predicted them to lose. That I think I predicted them to go sixteen and zero. Wait, yeah. no, I think I might have predicted the Ravens to beat them at one point. Oh yeah, I think you did too. Now that I, I think about, it, I think early season I might have predicted Baltimore to win. I know you thought they were going to win the Super Bowl, and uh, I did. I feel like after they lost. a part of me feels like I thought that still Casey would win just because you know it's. Wanting because they're a better team, but also I feel like I I feel like I do remember predicting Baltimore to win, which would mean that we I we I did not predict the Chiefs to go sixteen and but we'll we'll see because it's weird like to think like I predicted them like early like when it's just like season predictions it's like I predicted them to go like thirteen and three, but then when you know when we're in the season it's like obviously I'm still not predicting them to lose like I think they'll end up with three losses but like. I'm not looking at their schedule, and I'm like, they're going to lose this game, this game, and this game. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just sporadically, I feel like, by the end of the season. And I was wrong, because they only lost two games, and if Mahomes played, they only would have lost. They're just such a such yeah. a dominant football team. Such a dominant football team. It's actually so insane. I'm, just, I'm so interested to see how this team is going to develop when, you know, when Mahomes' contract kicks in and they're not able to retain every free agent in the world. You know what I mean? Like, I'm interested to see what pieces are going to be yeah. able to stick around and what pieces are going to have to go and how much the pieces that have to go are really going to affect the scheme of things. Like, Because I'm sure they're going to keep Kelsey around if if they at any chance can, as well as Tyree Kill and Tyron Matthew. But like, then you're going to have to let, like, maybe you have to let Chris Jones go. And then how does that affect your pass rush? You know what I mean? Maybe you're going to have to let well, some of your, your corners go. How does that affect you? You let Sorensen or... Uh, Thornhill go, and then how does that affect your coverage game? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just some interesting little things, and I'm, I'm interested to see as Mahomes' contract kicks in and their, their cap space gets lower and lower, how are they going to be able to manage things? So it, it's just something interesting to, to kind of keep an eye on as, as time progresses. So yeah, definitely, that's a, a very fair point to make. <sighs> Contracts like that, like they, like for, I know for like Drew Bledsoe, they really didn't plan like. It really didn't pan out much, but uh, I, th- yeah. I mean, obviously, as of right now, it's panning out very well. Two Super Bowl, two Super Bowl experience, uh, two Super Bowl appearances, and MVP. Although the the MVP wasn't under contract, and neither was the Super Bowl win, but the appearance was. Um, yes. And obviously, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are the Super Bowl favorites once again. So that's right. should be, should be, but yeah. So, um, I guess there you have it. There's our. Uh... Our our AFC South prediction. Um, I never officially said that yet. Um, it's a lame division, as we talked about before. It, it's just 
Not that fun. Not that fun. No, no teams. And even though there are some good teams like the Colts and the Titans, it's still kind of lame. There's no, there's nothing like that interesting. Like, even if you like the Colts or you like the Titans, you gotta admit they're not very flashy teams. Like, they're not that interesting. Yeah. Other than Henry, you look at there, you really don't see any superstars. I, you see Watson, but it, Watson's on a bad team, so it negates the fun mm-hmm. of it. Like, uh, you know, it's not a flashy division. Yeah, definitely. It's it's yeah. The Colts have like solid players everywhere, and other than Buckner, you don't really, they don't really have any like game breaking players. Um, Watson is good. I think I'd call but, Darius. I, I think I can call Darius Leonard a game breaking player. I don't. I wouldn't call I, any him or Leonard or or Buckner. I wouldn't call either of them superstars just yet. But I I would call it a game. I think overall, I do believe Darius Leonard is the best player in, uh, apart from Quentin Nelson. No, okay, I'll call Quentin for star. It's weird to call him that because he's no lineman. But I can call him that. I think apart from Nelson, personally, I think Darius Leonard is the best Colt, the best player on the team. But I do think Buckner had a better season, personally. That's just my opinion. It's close. But I, I, I think Darius Leonard is probably the best defensive player if I, had to, if I had to put a name tag on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I wouldn't go as far as to say that. But it, it makes sense what you're saying. But So next episode, we're doing the, the NFC East, like we said. Bit of a, you know, it's the the most competitive division in football, possibly, but also uh, the worst division in football, possibly. It's yeah. like, you know, it's just like it's like watching a marble race. I guess like you don't really care, but like it is really it, like you care, but you really don't care all at the same time. Yeah, um, we will be back on Friday on Saturday with you guys. We'll be uh, recording on on Friday probably. We don't know just yet, but we can we can talk about that as the week goes by. Um, so if you will, you may do the honors. All right. All right. Uh, you know how we, you know how we got to end it off here, uh, from us here at the Colton and Joe show. We are peace and.